They're all going to laugh at you, Timmy. They're all going to laugh at you. Is this because of my horror knowledge, Tony? Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, Carrie is coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where we're watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is myself, Harry. (laughs) This is actually the one movie I chose because I texted Tommy being like, hey, you're going to be really proud of me. And he was like, why would I be proud of you, Timmy? Why? And I'm like... (laughs) I put on Carrie voluntarily and he's like, I love Carrie. Cause I, and I had texted him like right when I was yeah. putting it on and I, yeah. you're like, Oh, it's a good movie. And I was like, he was like, yeah. And then I watched it and then I was like, we should cover this on the pod. And that's yeah, how great I movie. infiltrated <laughs> Tommy's month of choice. Yeah. You finally got to pick him. I manipulated him. I manipulated him. Oh, oh, you, you act like you didn't suggest Psycho because originally we were going to do like, uh, I think Poltergeist is one we threw out there. Uh, Texas Chainsaw is one I threw out there. And then they're like, Carrie, let's watch Carrie. And I'm totally fine with that. I love those other movies. Carrie is great. I haven't rewatched this in a year. So, you know, it's been a long time for me, obviously, you know, yeah. in my deep heart <laughs> watching Carrie. But great fucking watch. Uh, you know, Stephen King's first novel, first movie. So, that makes sense. I mean, this is 1976 uh, with a very young Tron Travolta whose life's about to change after he joins the Church of Scientology, but yeah. uh, definitely not because of the year 1977. But regardless, uh, it was uh, it was a great watch. So we're, we're covering Carrie here. But Tommy, anything you saw recently that would um, pique our interest? So as October has uh, kicked off, I've been doing my uh, 31 Days of Horror Challenge where I've been trying to watch a movie, a uh, horror movie every single day as I do every year. This is the third year row I've been doing it. So I've been watching Signs for the first time. Great M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, really liked it. I'm shocked I've never seen it before. Uh, but I do want to shout out on this little not movie. I meant to bring this up last week that uh, last month I actually worked for the Connecticut Horror Fest in Hartford, Connecticut. And um it was a great time. You know, PJ Souls, who was in this movie, the girl with the red baseball cap, is also in Halloween. She was at the festival um, along with uh, other horror actors, like the guy who played Michael Myers in the first one. I had to take care of the guy who played Art the Clown in the Terrifier movies. For any of you slasher fans, I know that. I had to go pick up this actor in his full clown makeup in the hotel. And I was just like, one of those surreal moments. I was like, what the fuck is my life? It was really fun, great time, and really really looking forward to the next year when we do it again so <laughs> yeah that's that's interesting that wasn't a movie but very interesting tommy uh no i'm kidding uh no so you had fun did you tell people did you tell any of these people that you were surrounded with about the podcast to get them on uh i i casually dropped a few times like oh i do have a podcast or something like that so uh we'll see how it ends up but you know i was you know running the lines running the celebrity lines uh for some people so it was pretty cool just to go out and just see like all these old actors where it's like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, Cast of Dawn of the Dead was there, Cast of Halloween was there. So Jamie Lee was there. Uh Jamie Lee was not there. She's apparently has only done one fest a uh, horror festival appearance. I mean, she's a little bit bigger than the tier of some of the Halloween actors that haven't done stuff in like 40 years, let's be honest. But yeah. still a great time. <laughs> you mean the woman that just won an Academy Award this past year didn't make it to Connecticut yeah. Horror Fest? 
yeah, I know. Shocker. So, but overall, great time, great way to kick off spooky season for myself. And I'm still kicking it off with trying to watch as many horror movies as I can this month. <laughs> well, so um, this was the debate that we had. I'm going to bring this up because I just finished my annual rewatch every fall. I rewatched Band of Brothers, which is basically a 10 hour movie following mm-hmm. Easy Company, the 501st Airborne, as they land in D Day in Normandy and their march through Europe conquest and it being a fall show i think it's a mini series that everybody should watch one of the once in their lives i don't know why it is just a fall show it just is there's just something about that change of the season that makes me want to watch the show yeah. it's like it's a total remembrance of of sacrifice and heroism um it's really a uh it's really like a really detailed description of one of the you know most prolific uh, events in world history and one of the most prominent companies from that war that the people know about. Uh, And yeah, it's one of those just like great ensemble shows. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you made the chick suggestion. Why is it like what horrors in it? And I was like the horrors of war, Tommy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think if you were in the vast Joan forest for a month Mm -hmm. in December, getting shelled by the Germans, you might think it's a little scary. Yeah, maybe a little bit right there. So, uh, you know, we're primarily a movie podcast, but if we ever want to transition to TV or miniseries, we could do Band of Brothers. I have still never seen it before. I so. would I would do a, if we wanted to do it, we could do 10 episodes <laughs> and we just, just make that a season. <laughs> no, but the beginning of each episode, we just cover an episode. Yeah. We do one a week. <laughs> We just do one a week where we just casually just drop it in. Over this is the again. only way I'm going to get you to watch Band of Brothers, to be honest. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some things on the pod where it's just like, you know, I haven't seen like so many uh, classics before. Like, you know, we had to start a podcast for me to watch the fucking Godfather. So, yeah, we had to we start. Your... I mean, does it help if it was produced by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg? Oh, I know the pedigree. I just have never gotten around to watching it. And right now I'm currently in a streaming battle with um, a friend where I'm trying to get their HBO Max back. And, uh, it's on Netflix right now. Oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah, because ne- for some reason, HBO is like, fuck our streaming service. David Zaslav was like, we'll just license this out to Netflix. I don't understand it. <laughs> David Zaslav is a monster of a human being, and he should be mutilated. Uh, I do not like that man whatsoever. Um, I have a feeling that HBO's like status as like the premier TV network is going to go downhill, because he's like, yeah. it's a lo- we get better views... And it's a lot cheaper to make like TLC content. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like misunderstanding the audience. I mean, there is an aspect where you could have both, I guess, if like, you know, for the platform member, but it's just a way that they're focusing more on the cheaper, easy to produce content and just like essentially just in a way like Wall Street taking over entertainment where it's just instead of out of the bottom line, instead of caring about create, creativity and productivity and just like, you know, overall quality. Yeah, so. well, it's a, and it's about the status of of culture itself and what we produce, right? It's just a representation mm-hmm. of our culture and our society. You know, there's been a big thing about like the Oscars kind of diminishing in status, right, over the past mm-hmm. decade or so. And I think if you look at the films that were nominated for Best Picture in like the '90s, and you look at the top grossing films of the '90s, you're going to find a a fairly nice crossover of movies people have seen and movies that are highly regarded by critics. And 
now it's like in November for the general audience. They just get this list of movies that are now like Oscar movies that they're never going to go see. Yeah, I mean, for like people that aren't like us, that like fucking like yeah, no, that's what I'm talking need. about for a general audience. Like, yeah, for a general audience, for people that aren't like us, that fucking feel the need to watch all these movies every year. Um, I mean, even myself, I don't fucking go around to see every single Best Picture nominee. Most years, if I'm lucky, I get like five out of like the ten, six yeah, out of the ten. And and you know, the Oscars has a history of picking subject. I think sometimes over like quality of film or inventiveness of of film, you know. It's like they have this stature of like historical pictures and like time pieces and, and something that's societal touching, right? <laughs> so if it's like a, a gay guy or something like that, like they're they... they're in general, it's just like the Oscars are just not known for like you know highlighting for the most part genre pictures and stuff like that. Where you know I'm not exactly arguing that like you know we need to have every superhero movie, every Marvel movie be up for Oscars, but like. There is just like a limit where you could probably get it. I mean, granted, we just had everywhere, uh, everywhere, anywhere, everything, everywhere. everywhere, all at once. Yeah, for some reason, the, could not think of it. But <laughs> it was—I mean—that was a great movie. I—it had its appeal, but it—it it still didn't like it was an A two four picture, and they don't get the widest distribution and the biggest. To be fair, that campaign. was their biggest hit ever. I made. Oh yeah, abs- oh absolutely, but. Um, it, you know, like this year will be interesting with a movie like Oppenheimer that's set to get like twelve nominations, and a good amount of people have seen Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah a movie that, and I think Barbie is probably going to have some nominations too. Maybe not like top of the line in terms of Best Picture, but there's always buzz about Ryan Gosling. Is he going to get Best Picture <laughs> or uh, not, I mean, but, Best Support Actor? Best Support Ryan Gosling, like a Best Song. Like I could see set design, you know, some something like that for Barbie. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we're doing an Oscar previews. This wasn't planned at yeah. all. Just but uh speaking you of mentioned, Oscars, you, you mentioned the name David Zaslov, and it made me very upset with the current yeah. status of our of our yeah. culture because we have a monster like that who's just about the bottom line and producing like 12 variations of Dr. Pimple Popper, <laughs> and my ass doesn't work. Like I, you know, I, I just I can't yeah. I can't stand it's, this guy. It's a whole thing. So if we're gonna transition, you know, um Speaking of genre pictures that were actually uh, recognized by the Academy Awards, um, Carrie, two Oscar nominations. Carrie, two Oscar nominations for what it was Best Actress, Best Supporting? Yeah, for Piper Laurie as Carrie's mom and um, Carrie herself, Sissy Space, like as Best Actress. <laughs> you can't and, see it right now. I am shaking my Twin Peaks shirt because Piper Laurie is a veteran of the OG Twin Peaks as Catherine Martell. Which character was that? I mean, I've, I've she seen was the first the, season. She was the rich lady who's having the affair with Ben Horn, who ran the town. She had the orange hair. She was married to Pete Martell, the Fisher guy. Vaguely remember. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, okay. I, I remember this now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Representation. Her. Representation. Yeah. Twin yeah. Peaks right there in this movie. This is Carrie. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. A new film by Brian De Palma. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. Rated R. So... I think with Carrie, I think a very good place to start 
But this movie is the very beginning of the movie, the opening sequence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the more iconic openings in movies that's going this to is take you that by gets, surprise. For yeah, sure. this is something that gets uh, you know referenced and like knocked up in like other studio comedies, where it's just like, holy shit. I mean, I can imagine if you're a 13 year old kid booting up this VHS back in the day, you'd be like, oh my god, Tommy, oh, please keep your. Keep your habits and your stories. To well, yourself, there's bro. there's a weird thing that like you know some people feel that this is very just like voyeuristic and, and in a way it oh. kind of is. Um, but the way it transitions from you know the girls' locker room of all the girls, just like you, pretty much the whole female cast just naked immediately from the beginning, and transitioning into Carrie having her first period is just a way of kind of subverting. I think in some ways, just like the male gaze and just kind of like in some ways shocking you right there like immediately yeah it, it definitely subverts that like oh what what, what is this because like and like they're all like they're doing like whatever the ideal male fantasy of a locker room is like playing around with towels yeah. and stuff like and if you've ever been in a locker room it's just mostly people trying to change as quickly as possible it's not whatever a movie yeah. People aren't like fucking walking around naked and just like, and, and, like grabbing each other and yeah, oh look at mine, look at your that doesn't yeah. happen in, in real not that I've ever been in a woman's locker room, but yeah. just like I'm just assuming it's kind there's... of like a men's locker room where it's just a bunch of dudes like there's one old dude in a men's locker room that's just letting yeah. it all hang out dry. That is true. You've heard that one before. <laughs> it is definitely true. There's always one dude that's yeah, just always he's older and he doesn't give a fuck anymore. And then there's just a bunch of people trying to get their clothes on and get at the hell out of there. And I assume the women's locker room's very similar in that respect. So so you watch this movie with your girlfriend. This is how you first watched it. And uh, has she ever seen the movie before? Um, no, no. She was like, oh, I'm in the mood for a horror film. And I was like, I've heard <laughs> so good things about Carrie. <laughs> you boot up fucking the girls' locker room scene. Just like, can we just like read some it, Cinemax movie? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it did not. It started in the the first. It was like thirty seconds. Like they're playing volleyball or something, and Carrie misses the ball, and then they're like, "Okay, girls, go hit the showers." But yeah. it it is also good because once Carrie does get her period and like thinks it's witchcraft that she's receiving it and she's supposed to be like a senior in high school so that's very late for a girl to get her period from my yeah age. there there's an undercurrent of this whole movie that just plays off especially on this rewatch of just like a tragedy and the fact that like carrie's mom is so uh, fan- religious fanatic that she had no idea what the fuck a period was and uh she was so sheltered and in that moment of need of her she's just so confused she thought she was dying People are just making fun of her and be like, oh, like, you stupid fucking asshole. Like, yeah, here's and a they're tampon. Throw, they're throwing tampons at her. And then it's the one, um, it's the one coach. Uh, who was the, the coach? It was um, uh, Collins, Betty Buckley. Miss yeah. Collins, Betty Buckley, who empathizes and kind of gives her, gives Carrie this warm mother, motherly figure in her life that she definitely does not have at home. Because yeah, in the contrast it, of it, we, we get introduced to Piper Laurie, who's playing Carrie's mother, Margaret White, who is a devout, like, Christian to the extreme, like, to the 10th degree, um, mm. who's going around asking for money from people's family. Like, we see, you know, what other kids live like in their houses, and they're more modern. We get to Carrie's house, and it's like a farmhouse with just religious paintings everywhere. I just yeah. thought of the Goodfellas I, line of like, mother, mom, please stop painting religious pictures, please. Like that was just, yeah. <laughs> that's that's I, what I, that living room looked like. 
I mean, as iconic as like, you know, the promising is of this movie, I mean, like, and probably what people remember the most, I think that the scariest moments of this movie are honestly Piper Laurie. And uh, oh, yeah. especially just like when she locks up Carrie in, into the um, like closet, this dark ass closet and just starts screaming and just said like, you will repent for your sins and stuff like that. It just yeah, hits it, in a way that is like realistic in a way. Dra- like, drags, so when Piper Laurie finds out that Carrie had her period, she drags her by the root of her hair into a closet to repent her sins um, mm-hmm. and talking about whoring. Uh, and, you know, one of my thoughts was like, hmm, you have a daughter, there's no man in the picture. So that means at some point this mother had to have, you know, yeah, sinned if you if you will so so kindly put it, um, and then we get that right after the prom scene where, um, you know, uh, Piper Laurie kind of breaks down a little bit more, even though the intention is to to kill Carrie, mm. which is uh, and, and she she mentions in in that scene where she's just talking about how like you know I should have killed myself the second I figured out I was like pregnant with you and stuff like um. And things like that, just like really cutting it to the point that like this woman clearly has been so much shelter and religious fanatic. And I'm not really a person that like knows too much about scripture or the Bible, but according to like you know when I was looking up like IMDb trivia and stuff like that, a lot of what uh, your mom is saying in this movie when she's quoting scripture, it's just like interpretations of the Bible. People are like that doesn't hold up. That's not really what that. Yeah, it, it's just an interpretation of you know that's. Pretty much every religious sect just has its own interpretation of the Bible. Um, I think, you know, when somebody gets to that point, it's usually comes from a place of of cultural dissatisfaction. I think Mm. for someone like, uh, you know, Carrie's mother, kind of seeing girls being more, you know, it's kind of you're in the age of, of, you know, end of that first wave, beginning of that second wave feminism movement where women are just becoming more empowered in schools, going to more colleges, like mm-hmm. actually starting careers. Not that it evened out at that point, you know, that, that was still a couple of years, you know, that was still it was, it was the beginning. Yeah. And by that, it just meant girls, women weren't wearing bras out in public. They were just, you know, a little more free with their, with their bodies. And I think yeah, that's where that interpretation of the Bible would then come from. Yeah. is is that kind of uh, you and know, disgust of the climate around her what and it's it's great that this movie starts uh, off of introducing her character uh, as going to like the house of uh, Sue Snell Amy Irving Irving's character and talking to Amy Irving's mom who actually was Amy Irving's mom in real life but anyways um just the fact that like you know the transition of like you know Amy Irving's mom is more of just like a more modern mom and stuff like that. She's joking around where it's just like, oh, we're all going to total detonation right here. And she's like, oh, I'll drink to that. <laughs> and just like, you know, figuring out just like how warped and just really drives home a little bit more just how broken Carrie's uh, home life is. You know, Nancy, um, what's it called? Uh, Betty Buckley is just really the one ray of sunshine that Carrie has in her life, the one source of affection that she gets of like, you know, in an ideal world. That would have been her mom and not, you know, this religious dogmatic fucking person that's just insane. It's just uh, it, over and over again, like you watch this movie and just like, it just kind of breaks my heart to see it, especially like things like the prom scene of just like before she, the bucket happens, you know, it's happening. I mean, you've seen the poster of this movie. I mean, to me, if someone has never seen this, did you know that there's like a scene that Carrie kills people in a prom? <laughs> I, I knew about the book. I didn't know about the 
I, I didn't know much about the film other than I like we were looking at a horror movie and then I just saw oh Brian De Palma Let's, I'm I'm interested in watching that <laughs> like that was yeah. pretty much my thought process is like oh this is a good yeah. director and sometimes you click on like a random horror movie on one of these streaming services and you just look at the name of the director and you're just like I don't know who that is and I can almost guarantee if I look up their IMDb history I'm not going to be overly impressed other than the fact that they got directing jobs yeah exactly <laughs> that's the only thing i'm going to be impressed by uh so i mean like did you know like even like the fact that like carrie gets like the blood spilled on her or anything i just knew something happened at a prom that's kind of all i knew about the movie yeah and i i think that like you know the, there's a lot of talks i haven't seen too many brian de palma's films but he's also off, often brought up as like a hitchcock like um not protege but like Hitchcock was like his big guy, where he like he's an pretty much influenced by Hitchcock, influenced by Hitchcock, and like you know, there's the the famous quote that Hitchcock has that like you know, tension is really just like if there's a bomb underneath the scene, the characters don't know, but you know it. That's tension right there. And yeah, and the, the blood, at the, this... the blood at the prom was the bomb, and that was brought up by her longtime bully Chris, um, mm -hmm. who the you know the girls were you know, torturing Carrie. So they punished all of them by, and the coach punished all of them in detention for a week saying mm -hmm. that if they don't follow through, um, okay, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose your privilege to go to prom. And Chris is the only one that leaves. And then um, Sue Snell, the, you know, who is dating this boyfriend, Tommy Ross, you know, she kind of convinces him to invite Carrie to the prom feeling bad. And actually when I think of adding to the tension in this movie, I didn't, it wasn't made clear until the, the second before the, the blood was about to drop. If Sue Snell was like, actually wanted to support Carrie or if mm. was, was in on the plot with Chris. That's, that's interesting. I mean, like, cause I, I feel like there's a sense and of, added, that she I gets. thought that added more. I, I thought that, I thought that added more tension in my opinion. Like, yeah. I, got I the, it, it it was played off like remorseful, but yeah. then there's that scene in the with um with the gym teacher, um Miss Collins and her saying, "Sue, why are you and why is Tommy asking Carrie to the prom? Like mm -hmm. I just want to help her out. Like she deserves this. Uh, she deserves this." And she's like, "You're bullshitting me. Why is this?" And like that kind of lingered in my mind. And maybe it was just like tension yeah. that I added on to myself, and maybe trying to read into it a little bit too much. But I thought it was just like another thinly leveled layer of things. I was like, "Oh, I think she's, you know, she actually wants a good thing for Carrie." But then you see her sneak into the prom in her regular clothes, and I'm like, "Oh, crap! She's like, she's in on it." And then she's just standing yeah. next to the rope the whole time, like watching the ceremony go on. Sue is, and I'm like oh my god like she she's in on this and then she yeah. like looks up and sees it and that's when i go oh she's her and tommy are just trying to do something like they think she's just carries this sweet girl who, which she is like yeah that's a real um testament to sissy basic uh and emily and i were actually talking about this like you needed and you needed the role of carrie to have such a layer of innocence to it Oh yeah, I mean, like it could have been like easily a typecasted like typical nerd and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I think that the, the cast of Sissy Spacek is great because I haven't read the novel, but the novel um, Carrie's uh, portrayed or like view um, the way described as like she's like just like plump like overweight girl or something like that. Um, 
which would be like a little bit more cliche or whatever if yeah. that was in the movie. Yeah, it would be a little more cliched in the movie. I think taking this like, you know, sissy SpaceX, a good looking woman, kind of, yeah. you know, giving her, unto- you know, not popular clothes, like not stylish clothes and and kind of, you know, this kind of weird girl whose family just has very strange views compared to everybody I, I, else. And kind of I feel like it makes it more hard. It makes yeah. it more, it, it brings that heartbreak out. Exactly. And yeah, because you get the sense of like if Carrie like grew up in a normal household, if she like, she would, she would mom, have been one of the girls that was throwing yeah, the she, at her. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's just like brings a little bit more heartbreaking. And I think that like, overall like the amy irving of it is it's kind of funny like you know her idea to like make carrie feel better is uh you know my boyfriend take her to a prom and she doesn't ever think oh i'll be carrie's friend (laughs) you know i i listen sometimes you just need movies to happen um and that was just one of the way of doing it it was just more of a like instilling pop you know instilling belief that like carrie is a beautiful girl and she could have a you know she could have a boyfriend and i actually thought the prom scene leading up to it and that's what kind of makes the heartbreak even worse like because it, it always that that blood of pig's gut and john travolta and uh what's her name and chris i, I don't know the actor i can't remember the actor. uh nancy name. allen we Nan- oh her. that's right nancy allen uh, we covered our movie of hers do you know she's a robocop's partner oh that's right dang yeah. i would not have gotten that if you didn't say it because obviously a robocop she has like short hair and like, she has you know, short hair yeah and she's it's also like a decade later so she's gonna look yeah she's gonna look different but i, I just love the way that brian De Palma just frames that scene and just like how like constantly just like you know you go from like the spinning 360 shot of um terry tommy, and tommy dancing terry and tommy and, and that you, you know and you even start to see tommy kind of fall for carrie a little bit which i thought was just a great touch to it too where like you know he's like the whole time being like i don't want to ask this girl out like she's weird like blah 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 blah, blah. it's gonna be bad his girlfriend has to convince him she's like yeah she's like dude just ask him out. like i'm telling you to ask him out you're gonna do it um yeah. and then he starts to you can see him starting to to fall for her a little bit uh there and, where he, and, he's and, like do you really have this curfew like some of us are gonna go to this place after like we'd love for you to come yeah. um and it's another thing that's just heartbreaking and just like you know the scene itself where it just like shows like how insecure carrie is where she keeps on asking like why'd you ask me what's going on here and just it really brings you into the moment of carrie it's just one of those things in terms of cinematography that like really just envelops you into the into the character of carrie right there yeah the way it's, it's just... it brings you in because you get the sense that no one's really been kind to Carrie and you get the sense as you know, we were discussing before with the relationship with her mother, like her mother regretted having her. And that's like the worst way for a child to be brought up is mm-hmm. if, if the parent dislikes their, their child, that's not a nurturing thing. So like good things happening to Carrie happens. Like the first moment of like any warmness towards Carrie is, uh, coach collins like looking in the mirror after tommy asks her being like look at your look at your beautiful smile like you you're a beautiful girl like of course he would yeah. he would want to ask you out um and i i think that it's that kind of juxtaposition right and then that leads to that heartbreak where uh carrie with her mind powers that are vaguely mentioned we see like a little like the light going out yeah. in the locker room scene her flipping the the principal's ashtray over um shattering the mirror 
in the bathroom, right? Like those are the only hints we have of the mind powers and it's not explained I, and I'm really glad it's not. Exactly. There's a terrible version of this movie where it just would have been an exposition dump where like someone like Carrie's mom would have been like, your dad was a psychic too. And like, that's how I got pregnant or something. And like, I am still the Virgin. I am still the Virgin Mary. Uh, no, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's just kind of, she has them um, and it leads to a total rampage. Um, I think the interesting thing was like terms of it being prevented or at least the saboteurs being uh, discovered and maybe getting Carrie out of the way of the pig's blood is, is Sue, you know, they're at the prom they're doing the announcement of homecoming king and homecoming queen like right before the basket drops and sue is going under the stairs and she sees that it's uh, john travolta and chris and then coach collins who's supposed to be on carrie's side the whole time like is pulling sue out of there and i guess maybe the interpretation is that like she thought she, that sue was doing it she thought that sue was no she i don't think she knew that the bucket was there but i think she was under the interpretation that because her boyfriend won prom king with another girl that she was jealous or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess. But like, I, I, she was well, like, no, no, there's literally somebody about to do something really bad. No, no, the, the teacher, the teacher had no idea of like what was going on right there of like the mm-hmm. blood bucket. But I think that she was thinking that like Sue Snell right here is going to fucking like prank carry in some way. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Also I, like, hey, you're banned from the prom. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Sue Snell ends up being the only survivor of the night because it's an absolute slaughter at yeah. the high school. Uh, I, I just love like the way when the blood immediately happens. It's just like the way it just like plays out, just like the whole scene where it goes from tommy and carrie walking up to the podium and stuff like that and it's such a nice and sweet full scene and everything like that and then once the butt hits i thought the score like if i remember correctly kicked out right there yeah and no no score right so it just immediately just immediate shock and the weird like almost like mosquito type vision where like you see carrie just imagine that I, I think in my interpretation was that she was imagining people laughing at her. I don't think the gym teacher laughed at. I don't whatsoever. think. I don't think. I don't think. I think there was just the two friends that were in on it laughing. Yeah, the girl from the girl from Halloween at the right. I I, yeah, I, she was I think just I think just hearing the laughter like set her off, set Carrie off. But I think it was that more like, oh my god, because and I think for a lot of people, it, and I'm just kind of getting the sense it was kind of like a coming out of her shell party for Carrie, right? Like nobody in the high school really knew who she was other than the weird girl that just went to the school. She's dressed very pretty. Like people were looking at her. It was kind of a statement for her. And then having the pig blood is like a humiliation. Like I think in her mind, you know, they're all going to laugh at you, right? That's what the mother says to her. Um, and, and, And I think she hears the laughter and it just sets her off and she kills pretty much everybody yeah in the school i i think that you know granted like you know years later decades later the reason that this movie plays really well and hasn't aged poorly it's kind of weird to bring up but like the fact that it's a girl and not a guy because if this guy then like people would be like oh this gives off like fucking like columbine vines or something like that and shit like that over and over again but i don't get that well it's not it's also not like it's also not guns and it's also like that it's the heartbreak that you feel like you and the movie does such a good job making you empathize with carrie throughout the whole movie and carrie kind of has this like angelic quality to her almost this like fair there's just this fairness right um Mm -hmm. 
and uh you know seeing her completely you know dolled up and beautiful and radiating and just like mm. you know it's it's that spinning scene that the, the that great shot of them dancing uh where the camera just moves spins around it's it's such fantastic camera work that it's it almost change it. it where it changes for carrie where like it's mm. like she only she lets go of all those insecurities that she's held on to and it just starts to like you notice that little change in that like five ten minute window before the pig blood drops that that you know oh yeah okay i'll go to the 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 hide or whatever it was uh the kelsa it was the kelsa which was a nice little pull for the 70 that 70s show huh like that little um a little like bar spot it was called the kelso and i was like oh they probably they probably pulled that name from that 70s show because that just makes sense well and this is why like the film is such a tragedy because you feel like if that pig blood didn't happen at all whatsoever like her life would have been completely different from that night that would have been her coming out of her shell well probably did tommy well that's where you're wrong tommy because okay. her mother had very different plans for Carrie when she got home. I don't know if you remember this movie that well. I know you. I no no. I I I, I the part of the thing is I when her mom like tried to kill her at the end of the movie. I'm not sure if it was her mom knew of anything that happened. Um, I don't you know, think she her, did. I think her she, mom was. Her mom. Yeah. You the. When she realized something kind of happened, because like she's hiding behind the door and it's so creepy as Carrie goes in to like wash off the blood in a bath, which I'm I'm just gonna say it. If you're covered in pig's blood, don't take a bath, take a shower. That's just <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was soaking in the blood. It's just like, take a fucking long ass shower. That's, that's 101. You just take a long shower. You don't bathe in pig's blood. That would just be my personal recommendation, but it was the 1970s and they were living in a farmhouse. Who knows if they even had a shower? Um and there's just candles everywhere in the house like she was ready she was going to sacrifice her daughter for disobeying her and abandoning the path of god like of the virtuous path Hmm. like in her mother's mind her going to that prom meant that she was having sex that night well immediately the fact that her mom is pointing out the fact that like oh like your dress is showing your pillows right there and like the fact that carrie's just like mom they're my breasts. It's a part of my body. Like it's what I, it's. I'm a, I'm a woman. Like fucking. You gotta live. You gotta it. live. You gotta live with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's yeah. It's tricky. I'm not. I'm not sure if that would have still played out that way. Um. I mean, because you don't know if her mom saw her like come home like just bloody as fuck. You know. <laughs> uh she. I think she did because you're standing in the doorway. I. I don't think. I don't think that. Like I don't think she would have. I don't think the mother would have been that mad about the murder based on everything she'd said. It was way more about everything else. Um, Mm. And she stabs Carrie in the back and then Carrie uses her mind powers to to hang her mother like a you know, crucify her as the house starts to burn down. Both Carrie and her mother perish that night and then i the the one jump scare that got me though was the very end the last one where oh amazing uh so good incredible scene the way that the palma filmed it apparently was that he filmed it backwards um and this is a scene that i feel like has been ripped off to like countless horror movies yeah i mean friday the 13th especially the first one is notorious for having a scene that pretty much just rips us off at the end of that movie too um 
But the fact that it's just like so peaceful fucking score, just really swelling and everything like that. Then you get to it and then you hear all of a sudden just like the string happened, that hand pop out. And what's crazy, Sissy Spacek was actually buried underneath the fucking ground during that scene. She insisted that she had to be it. So they'd be like uh, getting ready to shoot up the shot and like she would be underground and she'd be like, all of a sudden they'd hear her like pipe out like, are you ready yet? Like what's going on? <laughs> her <laughs> excuse me, I can't breathe. My straw's yeah. getting filled up with dirt. So uh Sissy Spacek was originally like a set dresser and everything like that. Uh Brian De Palma, uh she was a set dresser for uh Dr. Brian De Palma's uh previous film. Um and she ended up getting this uh, movie, and her husband was the art director right here. So Brian De Palma went during that scene, was like, you know, if she wants to be buried, I'm not gonna bury her. Your husband's gonna bury you. That's on him. That's not me. I'm not fucking. <laughs> I'm not taking that responsibility. I don't. I know it's the '70s and you can get away with anything, but he's like burying a woman alive. That sounds like a lawsuit. I'm handling this. is This is your marital dispute, not mine. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, but it, it was so. And Amy Irving's reaction when she wakes up from the dream, she's kind of like half dreaming. She's pa- she's panicked. It was such a good. It was such yeah. a good scare. Her her um uh mom that who's actually her mom was so scared by her daughter like fucking acting like that that apparently you can't hear it because like they overdubbed it with like the music rubber but like she says like amy are you okay amy <laughs> instead of like her character's name <laughs> that's uh that's pretty wild that is yeah pretty wild. so do i hear something other wild that i don't think you knew about this movie that um we talk about him a lot on the show uh george lucas and brian de palma held a joint ad audition for Carrie and Star Wars Episode Four. Mm, I could see, so, I could see Carrie Fisher. Yeah, so there's there's a weird like uh, 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 like parallel universe or something like that where like you know maybe Carrie Fisher played uh, the role of Carrie, Carrie Mark Hamill's Tommy and Harrison Ford's yeah. John Travolta. Will, William Cat ended up actually uh, there's like some scenes the guy who played Tommy of him like actually like you can look up on YouTube of him reading for the role of. Uh, Luke Skywalker and everything like that, which would have been crazy because, like, he had such 70s it. hair. He, yeah, yeah but so did Mark Hamill, so did Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker haircut is like the most 70s thing you've ever seen. All, the, like, everything in the 70s is like very distinctly 70s. I appreciate that about 70s films. Um, yeah. I, it, I mean, it does work, by the way. There's a, a reality where you had Amy Irving playing uh, Princess Leia, which I feel like could have worked too, but like it's a just a very fun what if to the fact that like these two movies held auditions at the same time, and both these movies are still being discussed 40 years later. Star Wars is a little bit more than Carrie, but Carrie still. I, like, and oh. I think Carrie should be discussed more because I'm d- done talking about Star Wars. I'm I'm so done. Yeah. I'm 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 like so, I'm so checked out of that conversation, yeah. man. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't I, do I, it I anymore. That, I it's can't just discuss. It it's just like whatever. Like, they're not that. I don't, I don't there's care. two good ones. It's, the rest of it's not that good, man. You guys got to move on. Like, find something yeah. else to play with. Not. We're an anti Star Wars podcast. Get that straight. Except yeah, we, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. We are pro those. Yeah, pro those. So we haven't talked about him yet. John Travolta. I mean, granted, his role is pretty much just a granted, uh, like a little bully. It's not that deep of a role, but this is really in um, a lot of ways John Travolta's big film breakout um, this is his first film this is his second film his second uh, his first film was a movie called devil's reign where he was a minor role in that and he was known at the time for uh 
the sitcom Welcome Back Cotter. He, he was, was new for Welcome up. Back Cotter, and he was new. He was doing. He was playing duty uh, in Greece, but on the stage, he was in the touring act of Greece. Yeah. Um, so at this point, he was still. I mean, like he was known as a sitcom actor. And there's one thing I noted while I watched this movie, um, like on this most recent rewatch, that like his entrance feels immediately like a movie star entrance. Oh, here's yeah. a guy you here's a guy you're gonna see on screen for years and years. The fact that it immediately starts with that song Meat Wave that I love and him just fucking the solo shot on him right there. I think he's hilarious in this movie, but it's just incredible seeing how like almost immediately it's like they knew like Here's John Travolta. He was second build in this movie just because of Welcome Back, Cotter, which is yeah. And they just about. knew. They just knew. Like you could just tell with some guys. I mean, I think this is a nice way to segue into this little next section here, Tommy. I am a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. I think the funny thing is, is that with this cast, like Sissy Spacek, Amy Irving, uh, Nancy Allen, John Travolta, Piper Laurie. Like all of these actors had fantastic careers. Like this is a really even a even like even the bit kid. parts, even the beat, uh, like you know, yeah, the the, the, the uh, secretary from Ferris Bueller's in this. Yeah, she's plays in high school, which is so funny. It's so funny because she kind of looks the same age. It's pretty wild. Yeah, and and the fact that we had like PJ Souls from Halloween and Stripes and like you know all these other movies, it's just like they've really stacked us. To you know the top, um, Edie but... Clerg uh, played Helen in the, the, and that's from Ferris Bueller's. And I'm looking at the cast, and she's the last build on the uh, cast thing here below Piper Laurie, because Piper Laurie is going to be the, you know, and Piper Laurie, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. they oh, they added her there just because everybody who watches the movie goes, that's the lady from Ferris Bueller's. <laughs> Yeah, they <laughs> in the seventies. <laughs> she had like two lines in the movies. Like she was, you know. Well, apparently she wasn't supposed to have lines at all, but she just ended up in profit a lot. And Brian De Palma was like, "Okay, cool, yeah, whatever." <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But who do you think? So I, I'm very torn on this one because I think Piper Laurie gives a better performance, but I think you need Sissy Spacek to work for this movie to even yeah work at all. I th- I think the only discussion is really between the two of them. I mean, Nancy Allen is good, and like you know, Betty Buckley is good too. But like those are not really what you take away from this movie. I mean, Nancy mm-hmm. and Tra- Travolta Travolta has his movie star moment right where you're just like, okay, yeah, like this guy's going to be big by roughly this time next year, Saturday Night Fever in Greece come out and the guy's top of the world. But yeah, um, I, you know, I look at Sissy Spacek. I, I think, I think other actresses could have done what Piper Laurie did. Maybe not as well, but other actresses could have done it. I think Sissy Spacek is like, I, I she's perfect as Carrie. Um, it's, it's just like such a heartbreaking performance and the reason that we're able to emphasize it for her immediately. I mean, this is a, a novel that has had three adaptations at this point. Um, you know, there's a TV movie in 2002, which I probably not worth discussing whatsoever. And there's a, a remake that was uh, 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago, I think. To this well, and I, I, it had a good, because I texted you about it, because it was like Grace... Grace Moritz was Carrie. It had Julianne Moore as the mother, which I'm like, that's a great. I I, I haven't seen be, it. And I have... good casting, but Emily watched it this weekend when I was away. Said it's like a lot more violent, and she enjoyed the original more. And said that the opening scene was a lot more censored. Not surprising. Yeah, 
yeah <laughs> and that's why it's not as good no but um but like it's a movie that like it feels like i, I i'm curious to rewatch it or watch it rather for the first time uh because it has good cast like you said chloe uh chloe grace Mortez, julianne moore judy greer and it's directed by the girl who made boys don't cry which i've heard is an amazing movie but i haven't seen so it sounds like it was good but when i was reading the reviews right before we started uh recording it pretty much just said yeah, it's a well-acted movie, but it feels just unnecessary because we have the fucking Brian De Palma version. <laughs> you have the, you have the, ma- you, you have, it's, it, 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 and it's kind of our thing with remakes. Like, uh, you know, Red Letter Media has a very good take on it where it goes like, take a movie, and this is just going to relate to you because I don't even know these series, but like a, a film series like Leprechaun where like all the movies yeah. are kind of bad. Yeah. Beef those up and remake those movies and try to yeah. attract new fans. Stop taking like something that's like a work of art and then just trying to remake it for cheap bucks because it's oh. never going to, it's just a waste of promise, talent, uh, and work. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, it's like over the weekend, I watched uh, Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween for the first time. And that was just the thing where it's just like, you know, I have to appreciate Rob Zombie for the swing of explaining the backstory of Michael Myers. But overall, it's just like, this just feels like a stupid retread. And just like, I'd rather just watch the Carpenter version over and over and over again rather than this fucking remake right <laughs> yeah i i and i just think i don't know there's such an empathetic lens in this and mm-hmm. a cruelty from the girls that i don't necessarily that that feels very believable from the other girls um well in general the 70s of it all i mean i what my notes wrote that was like oh back in the good old days when a gym teacher could slap a bitchy student yeah no <laughs> i i'm saying that it just feels a lot more cruel than and maybe a little bit more yeah. real than, well, because like I, any remake could, because that's where the empathy comes from, right? Like, mm-hmm. this girl Chris just hates Carrie because they were mean to her and she got in trouble for it, and yeah. that's the only reason she wants to get back at her. She's held accountable, yeah. She's held accountable, and she's like, Oh, well, fuck this person. I mean, like, I feel like if the remake, I, which I haven't seen, it'd probably have a lot more social media involved where it's like they uploaded this to YouTube or something. Yeah, like, like upload the video to YouTube. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you just need to set this in the 70s. Like, a, mm. like it's kind of like, I saw the thing that's like, Nolan reportedly wants to do two Bond films and set them in the 50s. And I'm like, that makes sense. Like, he doesn't want to deal with cell phones, like, in a in a James Bond movie. Like, he wants them to be fun. Um, yeah, and he also wants to homage, like, you know, the original movies, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you're seeing a lot of big directors, like, they don't take on a lot of projects set in the contemporary they tend to take a lot of projects set without cell phones and stuff because it just yeah. a lot it creates a lot more tension uh, for a story yeah but anyways overall i think carrie is the winner of like who won uh, as in sissy sweet like herself is the winner of who won the movie um and you know uh, what's your name um hyper Lori. i think she had the better performance, great performance but i I, yeah. I think she even had the better performance i just think you need sissy spacek like, like I, I don't know. There's just such an adorable innocence, and it just fully embodied in that role. And like, I, like you, I you really need to be empathetic. I really think that that's the like lasting appeal of this is that you just become, you just want to like give her a big old hug and be like, just tell her it's okay, you know. Um, and I, I just, I think that's the endearing nature of this movie. And what what's makes like the heartbreak that you know that's coming mm. even worse, like because it's it, like you it's not going to be that bad when it, it's going to happen. Oh, maybe she'll stop it. Uh, oh, 
Yeah. Oh, and the frame of the bucket. It's one thing on rewatch. I mean, I, I think I knew it beforehand this was happening because I watched things like Bravo's Scariest Movie Moments when I was in like elementary school. That's how I got into horror. Um, so I knew of the fact that like the bucket thing, but on rewatch, it really just feels so much more heartbreaking. Just you a big Andy Cohen guy, Tommy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, you know, it's one of those things that was just like on rewatch, you just watch it and it's just like this feels so fucking big. Are you real ha- are you a real housewives of Beverly Hills or New York kind of guy? Or <laughs> Atlanta or Atlanta or Salt Lake City? Or I, Orange I, I, County I, or Seattle? You know, or, you're talking like David Zavala's tune right here, because I uh, right now rep- representing all the fucking uh, reality TV. <laughs> I know, I know. I was just <laughs> I'm like I'm just wanted to say it and then starting rattling off cities because I'm like, I, I think there's a very good chance Tommy has never ever been forced to watch an episode of those. Nope. <laughs> I like good to keep it that way. <laughs> good for you. I've I've watched like two of them and they were Yeah. It's just a deep sigh. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay. Tommy. Would the tragic film Carrie work as a Muppet adaptation? So, like, would like in this situation, would Miss Piggy be Carrie? No, or would it be no, like she, Janice? She, she would have to be Janice. No, 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 no. Miss Piggy would be Nancy Allen's. Yeah, it ha- she'd have to be because she's yeah, like. She'd... That's what I was going <laughs> to say, but you cut me off rudely, Tommy. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'd have to be. Um, it, uh, it, I, it just wouldn't work. I, I'm sorry. You need, it, it you, need a, you need a human being to empathize with in this film. Um, would, would, would it be? Would it be that just like you keep Sissy Spacek and then like everyone else is Muppets, so it makes her more of an outsider? Where it's like, oh, this is the only human. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't really know if I want to get into the logistics of yeah. uh, the Muppets' well, me- menstrual cycles. So, well, I'm so gonna, I'm gonna pass on this. So so before before we transition, uh, I do remember one of the things that like before I saw this movie, like I saw this in college. Um, I do remember like back in the day, I had a Simpsons comic book that was like a they used to like release graphic novels of like Treehouse of Horror shit. So they made one that was um, a parody of Carrie, but Lisa was Carrie instead of everyone else, and just like graphic shit where like you see Lisa get the telekinetic powers and stuff like that and kill everyone right there. So that was how I first knew about this movie. <laughs> yeah i i don't know if it would work with them i could see the simpsons pulling it off i don't the muppets are too slapsticky like yeah uh like the simpsons can be when they want to but it's usually like the simpsons have a joke on top of that joke that makes the slap it's like the rakes in uh cape fear right yeah um there's usually a joke on top of the slapstick um so Tommy, review time. Give me a score out of five. I I think this movie is a classic and one of the best horror movies, and really just kicked up the era of Stephen King movies and Stephen King himself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go five out of five. Amazing performances. Uh, you know this movie holds up so much on rewatch. And there's just so many things that just like the cinematography, the performances, the direction in general. Five out of five. Perfect. I'm gonna go four point five out of five. That's just kind of where I, I see it. Like, I think it's a true classic. I don't I don't know if it's necessarily a five out of five for me, but I, I really love this movie. 
um, you know, the direct, I think we didn't talk enough about Detective Palma's direction, but just the way that his camera moved, um, just, I, I, I think of the scene of like when she gets to the home and we're just seeing the candles everywhere and the way that camera's moving, um, after the prom scene, just like utterly fantastic stuff. Like De Palma is known for his, his camera movement. Um, but it, it, you know, and this is one of his earlier movies and we really get to see him. Uh, at full force here sissy spacex performance was incredible as well as piper laurie shout out twin peaks 4.5 out of 5 you know a true 70s horror classic highly recommended if you haven't seen it tommy have you seen scarface no (laughs) november november yeah right there so you can probably just do scarface month do like the 1940s scarface was there a reason why you just thought of Scarface? I mean, like it just came to you. I haven't watched it since like college, and I kind of want to watch it again. And it's a De Palma yeah. movie. Oh, that, that is true. I mean, I needed to brush up on De Palma. I mean, he made Mission Impossible, right? He oh, wait, the, it's so. He did right, the so I've seen Mission Impossible, right? I'm looking right now at his filmography. I've seen Untouchables. Love that movie. Um, I've seen Mission Impossible. Those are the only two uh, De Palmas. Seen Blowout. I've seen Carrie. I've seen um, Carrie. I've seen Blowout. I've seen Scarface. Um, I haven't seen The Untouchables. Oh, that's that's what I mean. Great movie. Um, yeah, those are the only three I've seen. So maybe we. I think we owe De Palma a little more love. So what if we did like a Scarface? Blowout Untouchables month. I have the problem of, I mean, I'm totally down for that. So, <laughs> yeah. Although I do in November, I want to do, we should do, because what is it? David Fincher, Scorsese. Um, we, we were talking about this. So, Michael uh, Mann. I think we should cover those three on the pod this month because, yeah. or next month, because they all have a movie coming out. We need to see. And Ridley Scott. So maybe we got to put, maybe we got to go four. Yeah, I mean, what a month, what a year for movies. Movies are back, baby. I love it. Movies are fucking back. I mean, I haven't seen Gladiator, so we could cover that for Ridley Scott. Um, you just got so fucking excited. I mean, I, I just rewatched the Alien series. I love fucking Ridley Scott. I've been, uh, been I've, out of I've seen Alien. I love Alien. That's a that's a five out of five. That's a, that's his best. I think that's his best movie by by like a mile. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, give me. This is how we talk about the podcast. We pretty much just like. Usually this is over text where we're just like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? <laughs> I'm but, just, I just got excited. Like I'm, I'm excited by movies again. And it, it's nice that it's coinciding with the podcast. Um, yeah. So yeah, 4.5 out of 5 for Carrie for me. 5 out of 5 for Tommy. Tommy, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up today? Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on uh, social media. That's at Pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and you know the good old threads. Um, we're on t- uh, Twitter mostly. <laughs> Not I, really you just threads. do it to troll me now. I know. Yeah, I, I know it totally is. I, mean, I still occasionally post on there, but I don't really check it. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, leave us a five star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast helps out the pod. And next month, uh, next week rather, uh, we are covering Psycho. It's two weeks. Never seen. It's two weeks from now, right? Two weeks from now. Sorry, yeah, two weeks from now we're covering Psycho. A movie that Timmy's never seen. It's the only Alfred Hitchcock movie I've seen before we started the pod. Also, Birds. I've seen Birds before. But... We covered that yeah. on the pod. Um, yeah. yeah, we're getting back into the hitch of Hitchcocking. Yeah.
So uh, does get he ready. A, does he have a Christmas movie? I'm literally about to Google right now. So this is also behind the scenes Xmas Hitchcock movie. Okay. Okay. Well, back everybody... for Christmas. Perfect. Well, everybody, yeah. thank you all so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.